This is Carpe Consensus. Join hosts Ben Schiller and Danny Nelson as they seize the world of crypto. Welcome to Carpe Consensus. This is a podcast from the Coindesk Podcast Network. I am your host today, Danny Nelson. Our uh, co-host, Ben, is experiencing technical difficulties, so we'll be flying solo. Today, I'm joined by Johan Kebrat from Robinhood. He's the general manager of all things crypto over there. We're going to have a nice little chat about what Robinhood's up to, what its vision is for the crypto universe, and where he thinks all this is going. So welcome to the program. Hey, Danny. Thanks for having me. Excited to have this uh, one-on-one, I guess. Yes, we're making it up as we go along. Anyway, I want to start off by just understanding what's your perspective within Robinhood on the crypto space? Do you see this as an investment that every Robinhood user should be plugged into? Because we have to remember, Robinhood is much bigger than just its crypto vertical. Yeah, absolutely. On Robinhood, you can do a lot more things than just trading or transferring crypto. And, you know, our vision is to democratize finance for everybody. And we want to make sure that the people that are interested in crypto, they have a place to do it. And we think Robinhood is probably the best place for them. So we keep investing in in that division for the company. Mm -hmm. And the services that Robinhood is able to offer are a little bit different from those that Coinbase or other crypto-focused companies right, are able to. At Robinhood, I think over time, we've seen an evolution where in the beginning, you could buy crypto, but it wasn't really accessible to you. You just had exposure to it. Now it's much more so you can buy it and have ownership of it. How has that change come about within Robinhood? Yeah, so actually, you always own the crypto. Robinhood was always buying the crypto on behalf of the customers, and we were storing on our custody on behalf of the customers. The change that we did a year ago or a couple of years ago now, I'm starting to forget everything is to actually allow you to transfer in and out the crypto if you're in a, if you're eligible customers. And that was because we, we talked to a lot of customers and they were asking us to be able to do that. And that's been like one of our biggest features that we launched in the past few years, for sure. What's your philosophical perspective on how important those types of things are as a crypto platform? We really want to give to our customers like what they're asking. And so we spend a ton of time talking to them, we do a lot of user research, we look at our Twitters and social medias and, and you know, we try to get feedback. And so for us, we're not trying to compete with all the competitors you mentioned earlier. We think Robin Crypto is here to break the barrier of accessibility. We want to make crypto actually usable for everybody, not just something that only a few people can understand and, and use. And so for us, like it really takes to understand what the customer wants before we can actually build it. And we think that if we keep doing that, if we keep listening to our customers and actually improve our product based on their feedback, you know, people will be actually excited to use Robin or crypto. And we, we have actually seen um, you know, a lot of market share increase based on, on all this change that we've done in the past year or so, for sure. Mm. So then what is the profile of the average Robinhood crypto user? Like, are they only trading crypto on, on Robinhood or are they also going after stocks and other investments? We have a variation, you know, and, and it really depends on the moment of the year and of the cycle. If, if crypto is in every newspaper or if it's like more of a calm cycle like, like we are right now, 
Um, so it, it's kind of a variation. And I think that's the beauty of Robin. You know, it's like you, you're able to, if you want to invest in stock, you can do that. But also if you're interested to invest in, in crypto, you can also do it. And, and we have many more products that are accessible to everybody. And with those booms and busts of markets, and especially crypto, I think one of the biggest moments for retail trading and for Robinhood surely was during the pandemic, just a whole lot of new users, at least on the crypto side. Are you seeing those users who came at that period sticking around? Yeah, we, we, we definitely still see a lot of activity and a lot of people that were on board on crypto in the past few years are still holding on, on Robinhood or still using the product. That's the main reason I, I joined Robinhood crypto initially. I, I've been in crypto for a very long time. And, you know, one thing that Robinhood has been very good at is breaking barrier of kind of finance limits. I always thought that finance was excluding a lot of the population, depending on what background you were, where, where are you born, where are you from, all this kind of um, situation where kind of excluding a lot of people from, from the finance world. And so I think Robinhood has been very good at giving enough educational content and data points for people to get interested in it and actually start using finance product. And that's what I wanted to do. I, I really wanted to join Robinhood Crypto because I wanted to do the same thing that Robinhood did for, for stock and equities for crypto. And you know, I think a lot of uh, companies are saying that we need to make crypto more accessible but not many are actually trying to do a, a big change on that. And, and I think that's what we are really focusing on. We, we spend a lot of time iterating on our product to make sure that we can make something that anyone will actually understand and will be actually able to use and not just like a very small amount of people. Wait, so I want to better understand like where you fit into all of this. How did you get started in crypto and how did that lead to Robinhood? Yeah, um, I'm actually from, from Europe, as you can hear from the accent. So, you know, I'm from France. And, and back in 2008, 2009, when the, the financial crisis was pretty strong in Europe, at the time I was like, okay, that, there has to be a better system than the, the current system that we, we had with central banks and, and all of this. And at the time, that's when the Bitcoin white paper went out and was starting to get a bit of traction. And yeah, I, you know, I, I got into it then. And since then, I've always been working in, payments slash crypto my entire life as a as an engineer at first and I joined Robinhood as as a head of engineering for crypto and then went into the, the management position. Yeah. Johan, in a recent hearing on Capitol Hill, you said that it's really difficult to get registration with the SEC. What's the situation with that? And when Gary Gensler says that the SEC is open for registration for crypto companies, like is that your experience? Yeah, you know, I think there is still a lot of uncertainty about how digital assets are regulated in the US or how they, they should be. And I think we, we need to have clearer rules from regulator. We are definitely committed. We, we are working with regulator on a, on a daily basis and we're trying to get to a good place. Um, you know, we have one of our core values about safety first and we are trying really hard to play, play by the rules. But I think, you know, in, in the next few months, I'm hoping we'll get some more of this clarity. To follow on with that point, the SEC just seems to be of the opinion that anything that involves raising funds on the internet using some form of digital token is a security. Just uh, this week, we saw the SEC crack down on Stoner Cats, which was a TV program that was funded through NFT sales. And 
two commissioners, not just one, but two commissioners in the SEC said, this is ridiculous. It's like the SEC trying to say that 1970s Star Wars collectibles are securities. So like, if the SEC thinks that those are securities, well, I, you, one can only imagine that it, it believes that a whole bunch else is, and that also stuff that is trading on Robinhood might be. And to follow on with that, how does Robinhood come to decisions about listing and delisting tokens, whether it's a, a privacy token or something that the SEC has maybe in its court filings indicated it believes is a security? Yeah, we, we have a pretty robust framework. It's very rigorous. We have a lot of people involved. And we have it in place to review like which assets we're going to list on the platform. And we also do a regular review of, of all the assets on the platform. It takes like many aspects of, of the spectrums from you know technical, security, legal analysis, and, and all of these kind of things. And at this point, we, we don't really talk too much about it uh, because we, we don't want to give indication that will help um, anyone to, to front run a decision. But it's it's a it's a pretty heavy process, and you know we we've been using it quite a bit initially when we when we launched Robinhood back in 2018. We only had Bitcoin and Ethereum. Now we have a uh, we have about 15 cryptocurrency on the platform. So you know this this framework has been uh, used quite a few times at this point. When you're talking to executives at Robinhood about the crypto strategy, right? Well, the crypto strategy is only one aspect of what Robinhood does. So. At this moment for crypto, which is not that good, right? Just because of volume, trading volume for everyone is down across the board. There is a lot less interest right now than there was a year ago, than there was two years ago. How how do you find the effort to advocate for Robinhood's crypto ambitions are at this point? Yeah, no, I, I think that's actually not a very difficult task, to be honest. Um, we have the belief at Robinhood that crypto is going to be the financial framework of tomorrow. And if you actually look about it, right, we, we launched Robinhood Crypto in 2018, in very early 2018. And so if you think about it, it's uh, it was like the last winter, the, the worst winter that, that we had. Um, and so at the time, I'm, I, I wasn't there at the company, but I'm sure that when we launched, some of the questions were like, why do you even care about crypto anymore? And, and I think that's really what it is with, with Robinhood is like, because we believe in this, in crypto and cryptocurrencies, we're actually using this time, this like calm cycle to, to go out there, talk to our customers, understand what they want, and we can focus on building and not have the distraction of, you know, like the, the difficult days of high volume and, you know, pressure on our system and things like this. So for us, it's it's a good thing. We can focus on that, building what is going to be really interested for our customer tomorrow. And, you know, when the next wave of interest come back, we'll be ready and people will be able to use the, the, the product and be able to access everything that they were looking for. And what do you think it's going to take to get people back into crypto, whether it's on Robinhood or just more broadly? Um, I think for, for Robinhood, we've been pretty happy around the fact that we've seen our market share increase quite a bit in the past few months, we think that there is a few reasons for that. We we are still one of the safest places on, on the market. And so every time we see an issue happening, like we've seen in November or, or earlier this year, we saw a lot of, of customers coming into Robinhood and kind of what we call flying to, to safety. So that was really exciting for us to see. 
And the other big thing that we are excited about is around you know, our, our pricing. If you look at the past six months, some of our competitors have increased their pricing and Robinhood did not. And we strongly believe that Robinhood is the lowest cost place to, to trade Bitcoin and, and other crypto. And they will get more crypto on Robinhood versus other platform. And all of this thing, I think, is helping customer, you know, understand that this is a good place to, to stay. And I think to bring back more customer into the, the ecosystem, I think it's just going to be a question about lowering this barrier to entry, right? You know, when we see some, like on gaming, for example, I'm, I've been pretty excited about what's going on there. You start to see like some AAA studios uh, developing games. You see a lot of traction around social network in the past few few weeks, few months. And I think this is a kind of use case that people are going to be really excited about and they will need an on-ramp to get into this world. And I think that's where Robinhood is really well positioned for. To, to go back to what I was saying earlier, I also st- still strongly believe that if we want that to happen, we really need to kind of fix all the issues that we have around the, the crypto accessibility and we need to make it easier and, and simpler for people to access that. So on the topic of your thoughts, like in your opinion, are tokens living up to the ambitions that they put forth? Like if I'm an investor, I'm not asking for investment advice, I'm just posing a situation, but are tokens living up to the reason why people might put money into them? Like what is the value that crypto is bringing that make it appealing enough to offer on a platform such as Robinhood? Yeah, you know, I think it really depends on on what you, what, why are you even buying crypto in in the first place? We see a lot of our customers actually just using Robinhood as an on ramp, right? They 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 want to buy Bitcoin and send it right away because they're trying to to you know send it to their wallet, send to a friend, access uh, some Web three game or DApps or thing like this, and so. It will really depend on of your usage of what you really want to achieve. I think, you know, crypto, if, if you look back from the original white paper of, of Bitcoin, where, you know, initially it was kind of just like a, a new electronic money, right, at the time. And, and now you have all these new concepts. You, you have like the, the stable coins, you have the flat coin that a lot of people are talking about now. You start seeing tokenization of real world assets. All of these things, I think, is is living up to the initial dream and, and far beyond. And so that's something that, you know, for me as a crypto passionate, I've been really excited to see how far people are able to, to bring these new ideas and this new innovation in place. In about one month's time, the public is going to have its clearest picture yet into the fall of FTX and what happened with Sam Bankman-Fried. So, you know, this is a year in the, in the rear view window at this point. Um, Robinhood is a very different, at least I hope, and I'm sure that you'll say the same. It's a very different company for many, many, many reasons than FTX. But that collapse did have a huge impact on people's interest in crypto and trust of it, no matter the platform. How? What? What are the lessons learned that you would say for Robinhood to come one year after the collapse of FTX? Yeah, I, I think you know for us, the main lesson I, I learned from it is to be a bit more public about how we do things. You know, things that we were considering as basic, like, for example, keeping most of the crypto in cold storage, not committing funds with firm firm funds, not committing fraud. 
that does usually help. <laughs> Seems obvious, right? But somehow, you know, I, we were all shocked when when we saw what happened, right? And and I think you know that that was kind of a learning for me. Like people don't necessarily remember or realize that Robinhood is a public company. We are audited every actually, you know, it's it's almost constantly that we have an audit going on, and so we reconcile our crypto with our wallet constantly as well, and so. We keep everything in cold storage. Every every cryptocurrency they sell, um, we keep ninety five percent plus in in cold storage. And so, you know, for, for us, like this is a kind of thing that we've never really talked about in the past in in public because we thought that you know every company was doing that. So I think that's that that's been one learning. You know, we we've we want to be a bit more out there and and talk to customers and reassure them that you know we are actually not like these bad actors. And, and I agree with you, you know, like these bad actors have been damaging the trust and the, the innovation in, in, in Web3. And it's, it's really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good place to end the show. Everyone, do your own research. That's one of the biggest takeaways, I think. And whether that means uh, reading through all of Robinhood's securities filings, maybe, maybe you should do that just to be, feel a little bit safer because at least they have those. A lot of other companies don't. Johan, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks, Daniel. And thank you all for listening, dear listeners. Uh, We're going to be skipping next week's show, but we'll be back in the first week of October. Don't forget to uh, like the show on all your social media platforms. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you again later. Carpe Consensus is a Coindesk production. Executive produced by Jared Schwartz and produced and edited by Eleanor Paul. Have any questions or comments? Email us at podcasts at coindesk.com. Subject line, Carpe Consensus. Thanks for listening and see you next week.